Welcome to the Game Changers Podcast, where we connect trending, evidence-based information to your pharmacy practice. For the next 20 minutes, Jeff and Jake talk about the state of pediatric vaccinations and how pharmacists can help increase vaccination rates. Don't forget to claim your CE after listening. So uh, this week, I'm, I'm joined by my frequent co-pilot and the guy who really kind of keeps this, this podcast afloat, uh, uh, Jake Galdo. So Jake, welcome as always. Thanks, Jeff. I'm I'm super excited to rant about this topic. <laughs> and this is a, this actually is a, a very rantable uh, topic, if you will. Um, it, we're we're going to discuss today. Uh, primarily, we're going to discuss today uh, pediatric COVID vaccines and and some of the information surrounding that, which I think is, is certainly certainly important. But we're also going to take just a step back before we dive into that and talk about pediatric vaccine uh, coverage, which, as is probably no surprise, is is going down and not up. And a recent paper in MMWR published actually only a couple of weeks ago that, that took a look at national coverage of, of state-required vaccines among kindergarten children, actually declined by several points, um, um, you know, from the from previous years. And, you know, the implications for pub, uh, public health, obviously, are, are pretty huge that, you know, with every increase in unvaccinated students, that increases the risk of uh, outbreaks of previously preventable diseases. And, I mean, again, everybody has seen the, the news coverage in the last five or six years, even pre-COVID, of, of measles outbreaks and you know uh, even more recently there's been you know more measles outbreaks there was that small outbreak of po- polio that occurred in uh, on the east coast uh, last year the year before so i mean certainly we're seeing the the real world implications when when uh, un- uh, children go unvaccinated and you know the diseases that we largely thought had had, had kind of disappeared have really kind of uh, have kind of reshown their heads and, and unfortunately so um and then you know of course as you is probably not not surprising this is is certainly uh, even more manifest with the COVID vaccines and the boosters for children. And there's, uh, admittedly, there's a lot of confusion about that. And, and I think that, I think we as healthcare providers probably needed to do a better job of, you know, communicating to, to parents, you know, how, how, do you, how do you approach this sort of thing? So, I mean, again, I, I don't think this is, you know, all on parents or, 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 or guardians of, of children. I think that we, especially with COVID vaccines, probably should have, have done a little better job to, to kind of explain to them, well, this is when you need it. This is the kind you need because it is kind of confusing and that's why i'm glad jake's with me to kind of kind of discuss you know that stuff in general uh but just in in you know the more global thing about about you know vaccine rates going down so you know jake what do you think about all this you know i mean before we get into the the updates for covid you know you know as a pharmacist you know where where, where can we help to, to kind of improve vaccine coverage do you think well i think there's a lot of things that are that are almost against us but also for us in in this kind of environment First and foremost, it's, it's really important to highlight the PrEP Act, which is our, our COVID emergency act that really expanded scope of services for a variety of healthcare providers, including pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. Mm-hmm. And that really enhanced, uh, down to like three years, I think is what PrEP says, the ability of pharmacists to vaccinate children, because it has always been very, very state-specific in what is the scope of practice. And so like the first thing that just jumps out to me and like, how do we address this as a profession is that we need to go to our legislation at the state level and start to codify what are the appropriate ages or what is that age range and what is the scope of practice for both pharmacists and pharmacy technicians? Because I'm really worried that we are just super dependent on PrEP authorization. And once that is not renewed, it's, it's like it turns off the switch, right? Like right. suddenly the, the room is dark and technicians can no longer vaccinate. We can't do, you know, specific age ranges. So it, it is a huge milestone in how it's affecting 
scope of practice. So I think the first thing we need to do is advocacy, work with state associations and with local legislation and make sure that we have that scope of practice spelled out appropriately. That's one, like just, you know, advocacy. Totally Number agree. two is really, really getting deep into screening. You know, there's a lot of, you know, work in screening patients. Uh, we see this sometimes in the realm of, of healthcare quality and measurement science, trying to find good quality measures around vaccine assessment. Uh, but it's, it's an opportunity for us to assess patients on a regular basis. You know, starting this year, I think it was the, the shingles vaccine is now have a $0 copay for Medicare beneficiaries. So like a lot of pharmacies are getting slammed or some pharmacies aren't even doing anything about it because they weren't aware of that. Like there's right. an opportunity to screen and administer. I think the, the next one is, is the actual administration itself and just being aware of the schedules. Uh, so for, for our Christmas card this year, we have a, a 14 month old. For our Christmas card this year, uh, we sent out a, a year of numbers. So 2022 in numbers and it had fun facts like the number of Legos I built. It had the <laughs> dose of trazodone for my poor dog that now has anxiety because there's a baby in the house. But it also <laughs> highlighted the number of uh, vaccines that, that our daughter got. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't number of shots or oral administration. It was the number of actual individual products. And it was 30. Wow. And I was blown away that it was actually that high. I didn't actually think that it was that high. And I can totally understand from the patient perspective, that's a lot. Right. 30 vaccines in 12 months, like it's huge. Right. And so right. if you look at the pediatric schedule, it's at birth, one month, two months, four months, six months, nine months, 12 months, 15 months, 18 months. That's the first round. And then after that, it's four years. Right. So in the first 18 months, we're doing shots every two to three months. And then it stops. And then we wait a couple of years other than flu and probably COVID routine. Right. So I think there's a huge advocacy part here and recognition, maintain those, you know, routine appointments with the pediatrician and get those vaccines. And, and I mean, I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think one of the strikes against this, and, and this is bled over, I think, uh, at least somewhat from, from COVID anti-vaccine nonsense, um, you know, has, has bled over in, into other vaccines, which is, I mean, there's always been, I think, a, a fairly you know, vocal, you know, minority, I think of, 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 of people and parents who are like, no, you know, I, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to get vaccines for, for, for my child, or I, you know, you know, they, they actually use the, the, what you just noted that, you know, gee, 30 vaccines, that can't possibly be good. And we, you know, how can you, you know, all those together and, you know, that's gotta be harmful and blah, 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 blah. And, and I think, you know, again, this, you know, I think this goes to, to communication and, you know, I think pharmacists can do a really good job of helping to screen patients and making sure they are getting that follow up with, with with pediatricians or again through, through the scope of the prep act you know help to, to deliver some of these vaccines themselves because a lot of these parents don't have the time you know they're in the pharmacy for xyz reasons and you know while you're here gee whiz you know we can follow up with with this vaccine contact your pediatrician make sure they know they've got it and all that other stuff so i mean you know yeah i, th I think i think uh, community pharmacists can certainly play a big role in in, in screening and, and administration and i and i think communication because i think you know and again it's hard when when you're a community pharmacist and you're getting slammed with 500 prescriptions and the phone's ringing off the hook and you know you're trying to get you know uh, you know prior offs approved and all this other stuff and all the all the the star stuff and all that other stuff that to take five or ten minutes to sit down with a parent who has questions about this is is challenging in the current environment but right. I, I i think it's really necessary to do so i mean and again you work you know uh, sometimes in in a, in a community pharmacy what have you seen you know it's a, it's all about empowerment you know there's so many patients that will say 
or caregivers for the, for the patient, and they'll just say, well, let's stretch it out. Let's delay right. it. Let's right. you know do an alternative schedule. Here's the thing, though. Uh, there were six appointments in the first 12 months of Catalina's life, and every single appointment we were getting a vaccine, and every single appointment the physician's protocol was wrong. Wow. I had to make an intervention every single time. Unbelievable. So they had the hep B schedule wrong. They had the flu schedule wrong. They had the wrong polio schedule to the point that they were going to give her extra polio doses. Wow. The COVID schedule was wrong. Hep A schedule was wrong. And the DTAP schedule was wrong. Wow. Is there another and, pediatrician and, in your area? <laughs> right. This, this is a good one in my area. It's super yeah. nice. I like them. Right. And, and they work with us because they they did not shoot me down. They listened to me. They allowed me to pull up the CDC schedule and we looked at it together and we made that collaborative agreement to say, this is actually what we should be doing. And they're actually updating their protocol because of these interventions. Good for you. Which is amazing. But, but all I did was open up the CDC sheet and say, this is the two month appointment. This is the six month appointment and just go down the the row, the column and say, these are the vaccines that we should be getting. And, and I mean, if you delay some, say, I want to get hep B now, but I want to wait on flu, whatever, right. it then creates more confusion and more opportunities for errors. Right. And, you know, I mean, more, you know, let's be totally honest, more, more visits to, to, to the provider to get them. Right. And, and, right. you know, again, you know, that, yeah, there's lots of parents who have the time to do that, but there's many, many more. It's like, you know, both parents working full time, you know, the kids in school or in daycare. And, you know, it, it's really hard to, to, to arrange all that. It's really hard to forget, really easy to forget. Right. Oh yeah. Weren't we supposed to give, you know, our, our child X, Y, Z, you know, vaccine. Cause we delayed it. Well, when was that? Well, I don't know. And you can't really look it up on the CDC guideline because you're doing something different once they recommend so yeah it just yeah it, it really right. increases the, the the chances for error and just forgetting them so yeah, i i completely agree what are some other things that i think you know the the provider should do as far as you know products and 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 the and the and the, the child themselves what were some other issues to look out for you think well i think that's a that's a really interesting aspect if you call out products specifically so let's use at the 12 month appointment you're supposed to get mmr and varicella right if you do those as two separate products you either have to give them at the same time or you have to delay them by four weeks because they're both live vaccines, right. which then creates confusion. Or, and, and, and in the guidelines, it, it doesn't, it's kind of wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. And it actually says like, give one and then wait four weeks for the next one, which is rough because then you're adding another physician's appointment and all those, those access to care. Right. Or you get the product that has MMR and varicella all in one. Hmm. Okay. And so then it, it is truly one shot, but it's right. four vaccines. So it's really interesting how much the products impact it. You know, with some of our uh, rotavirus vaccines, some are a three-course series, some are a four-course series. And so we have to empower patients to know what product is being administered so that they can make sure that, and, and for us as providers, we need to know what product is being administered because that influences the, the number of courses of therapy. Right. which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know we've talked about this before, I, you know, I think weight plays a big role, right. You know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, that, that will have, have to do with, with protocol as far as, you know, you know, maybe there are some weight-based vaccines, right. So, so there's not a ton of weight-based vaccines, but what we need to be concerned about with the weight is the, the dose of epinephrine for the child. Ah, and I think that okay. this is incredibly important when we get into like our COVID conversation, right. jumping the gun a little bit, Jeff, but that's okay. We'll spoil <laughs> it a little bit. You know, 
we run the risk of, of anaphylaxis anytime we give a vaccine. And, and we treat anaphylaxis by giving epinephrine. Epinephrine is weight-based. Right, and I, I don't know about you, but I really don't want like a little, a little you know, 20-pound baby starting to blow up and turn to the parents and say, excuse me, how much do they weigh? So <laughs> yeah, not a lot of time for that. Be, like amendable yeah. to answering that at the time, yeah, right? probably not. And probably so not. when we think about protocols and pharmacies, we need to make sure we're capturing pediatric weight and have a cheat sheet to know what administrative dose of epinephrine should be given right. in that weight range. So we're prepared for those emergent situations. I see. Yeah. So that, yeah, you're right. Weight, especially in the community pharmacy realm, but I, yeah, I suppose in the clinic too, I mean, it can happen anywhere. Should, yeah, that, that, that you want to have that information before and not after, especially with children. So yeah, I totally agree. So, you know, I, you know, bottom line is that, you know, it's kind of depressing information, unfortunately. And, and, you know, I think, I think that, yeah, you know, community pharmacists can really make the difference here. And, and of course, you know, as with, you know, everything else, it's, you know, one more thing that, you know, I sure from the community pharmacy side is like, you know, one more thing to pile on my already over flowing list and you know obviously we need we need to really you know and that's a whole another podcast probably in a whole another series of podcasts we could do is is we need to do a much much better job at, at staffing pharmacies and making sure pharmacies are staffed appropriately that's like i said that's if i could solve that problem i would uh, be king of the world but but um um you know i, I think that that that's it's, this is an important piece and again if you can position your pharmacy to the point where the you know we have a pharmacist who has the time to do these screenings has the time you know in in you know uh, to, to, to deliver the appropriate vaccines it's, it's it's obviously incredibly important so then that kind of we can have a pivot from that into you know specifically you know uh, covid boosters for for children and uh you know again this is this is confusing and, and i understandably so i think for for parents so kind of laying out what what the provider or the pharmacist can tell uh, um, uh the parents i think is really important so we're going to kind of get into that and a little more specific information about that right after our message from ce impact this is Jen Moulton, founder of CE Impact. If you like this podcast, please give us a review in your podcast app. We're growing, and the more likes we have, the more content we can bring to you. Thanks for your continued support of our CE Impact membership and education. We appreciate you. So we're back talking about pediatric vaccines and the uh, kind of bad news surrounding the fact that that I think uh, the, the COVID pandemic and the, and the vaccines and the anti-vax kind of nonsense uh, surrounding the, the the COVID vaccine has or, uh, vaccines has has really kind of hurt um, our ability to, to to deliver them appropriately. And you know, in this last winter, of course, and 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 I think this is still true in, in much much of, of the U.S. anyway. We're still you know in the in the depths of of what they're calling the triple demic, right? You know, especially in children, we're seeing you know high numbers of RSV, high numbers of flu, and of course, high numbers of COVID, you know, all kind of mixing and matching together. And certainly, you know, when, when you, when you poll parents, you know, they're, you know, you know, uh, uh, pretty nervous, you know, they're pretty nervous that, that their, their, their um, children are going to get this. And in, in, in polls, they, they basically say, you know, anywhere between about 50 and, you know, 40 and 50% of parents are, are, are somewhat or very worried about the fact that their children will get seriously ill from one of these, these, these three organisms. And of course, you know, especially with the flu, we, I think we've never been incredibly good, I think, at, at, at vaccinating little children. I think there's pockets where it's really well done and there's pockets where it's not so well done. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's a, that's a new thing about, about getting children specific, you know, yearly vaccines. But in particular with the COVID vaccine, the, the numbers are, are actually pretty dire. If you, if you take a look, you know, nationwide, um, um, you know, it, the numbers are actually pretty low. Um, there are some states where, you know, if you take a look at, at children on five who had at least one 
one dose of the COVID vaccine. Uh, the numbers in most states is, is under 10%. My state of Iowa is 9%. Um, and some of the East Coast states are relatively high. Some of the West Coast states are, and by relatively high, I still mean way below 30%. I mean, you know, we're still talking, you know, you know, at least double digits, but on the whole below 30 and even 20%. And as you get into the, the deep South and, and the Mountain West, those numbers are, are, are pretty abysmal, you know, usually 5% or less. So, you know, uh, you know, the bottom line is that, is that this is, you know, that we're, we're not really doing a very good job. Only about 800,000 children under the, under the age of five have had a one dose of the COVID vaccine. So, and obviously that, 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 that's a huge issue. I know that the narrative um, is, well, you know, children never get sick with, with, with COVID and they don't, can be seriously ill with COVID. And, and I, th I think if you really just take a look at the data, that's, that's kind of patent nonsense. I mean, yes, it's relatively rare for children to get super ill, but they can. And if they do, you know, they're, they, they can be in trouble. Um, and this is, you know, I mean, there's really no different than, you know, the argument that uh, people with, with, you know, uh, who are against the measles vaccine. Well, you know, measles really isn't that big a deal. You know, we had hundreds of years where kids got measles and they did just fine. Well, no, actually, you know, they did. Many children did fine with measles, but there is a significant number of patients who had serious and long lasting lifelong problems associated with it, you know. So, you know, it, the, the idea that, well, just because this disease, you know, doesn't make everybody drop in the streets, we shouldn't be vaccinating against it. You know, this isn't a new argument. It's actually a, a fairly long-standing argument by, by people who are against vaccines. So, you know, you know, Jake, what do you think about all this? And, and you know, what, what can we tell providers to tell parents to help them kind of navigate, you know, gee, with this vaccine, we do this. With this vaccine, we do that. My child had this vaccine previously. What should I do? It, it is confusing. I, I, I totally agree with that. So, you know, what, what do you think about all this? Yeah, so like with the, the COVID booster arena, it's super, super confusing because we talk about like a bivalent booster and it's authorized for anybody that did the Moderna primary series, but it's not authorized complage for Pfizer. Hmm. Um, so Pfizer, when it was authorized for those under five was a three dose series as your primary series. And if you've done three doses with Pfizer already, you're not eligible for a bivalent booster. Okay. If the child's only done two, one to two doses of that primary series, then they could get that third dose as that bivalent booster. With Moderna, it was a two-dose primary. You just do your primary dose, and then you get your bivalent booster for a total of three doses. So it is, you know, product-specific, which makes it a little difficult. Sure. You know, I was actually talking to our clinical coordinator at our pharmacy about this. And, and I'm in Alabama, so we're winning with 2%. I, I hear you're <laughs> nine, Jeff, and I raise you 2%. Um, it's bad, right? Yeah, it's just it is. bad. Yeah. And, and how do we overcome that? Well, first and foremost, it's because PrEP Act. PrEP Act is three and over. Right. So, so there's this gap of six months to three years that, that cannot go to primary care. And everybody on the podcast has heard me rant about this and the, the experiences and the horror stories I had with the first round of just getting COVID vaccine for, yep. for our daughter. Yep, you know, but that's still there. You go to vaccine.gov and you look up COVID providers, you have trouble finding people that are going to vaccinate in that six month to, to three year range. Um, our colleague and friend, uh, Caitlin Gentilina at, at your local epidemiologist, she talked mm -hmm. about this in one of her newsletters, and she had like a 45-minute drive uh, to be able to get a provider that's going to vaccinate because everybody's pushed this to pharmacies, which is great, but pharmacies don't do less than three right. unless the pharmacies can get some sort of exemption. And so what's interesting is I called our, our pediatrician and said, do you have bivalent booster? Are you going to get it in? And they said, no, we're not going to do that. They'll get the Pfizer, but they were not going to get Moderna. 
Hmm. So we were in a pickle. Like we had nothing, and they just they wouldn't do it. They just said no. Hmm. I was talking to our, our clinical coordinator about this and and the challenges I, I was facing. And he has a, a young daughter as well. She's a couple months behind our daughter. Uh, and so like I, I test out the world for him so he can have it hopefully easier. And he's like, you know what? Let's just see if I can order it at our pharmacy. And so he was able to order the Moderna bivalent booster for the six months to five years. And the thing is, it was free. No we kidding. didn't pay anything. Okay. So that kills me yeah. that our pediatrician was like, we're not doing it. It's not a cost. Right. It was literally free. Huh. And so Anthony ordered a box of box of vaccine. There was no cost of goods sold. We paid nothing for it, and it showed up. So even if Catalina is the only one that ever gets a dose out of it, it's still a good ROI because it costs zero. Wow. Okay. And, and I suspect and, right? most, most people are completely unaware of that. So, yeah. Um, right. And okay. so then we went ahead and we changed the protocol and Anthony administered it to Catalina. We were the first one that he, he did under the age of three because we got the authorization. We changed our protocol. We made sure we had weight and we were good to go. Good it just, you. it was shocking to me that I had to go to my place of employment, a pharmacy, change our protocol, order the vaccine so that I could get my daughter a bivalent booster. Yeah. And again, you know, you're, you, you're, you're savvy. You can navigate this really, really well. I, I cannot imagine that the average parent who's interested in doing this is going to be able to navigate that, you know, what you just did. I mean, I think they may call their pediatrician right. who says, no, we don't do this. And they're going to go, okay. <laughs> and then they're done, you know, right, I mean, like, you know, yeah, you know, you know I, I, I lived with a, a, a nice Italian gentleman exchanged in college. And he once told me, Giuseppe told me, it's like, Jake, you must have a hundred no's to get one yes. And we were, he was telling me about how to, how to date. Uh, and, and I feel like people in healthcare aren't going to do that. You're not going to have a parent that's going to get a hundred no's before they get one yes. Right. They're going to get that first no from the pediatrician, from vaccine.gov, and they're going to give up. Right. And so the thing that we can do is advocate, support, and encourage and help patients navigate this. Right. I, I mean, and I, I you know, I, I, your story is, is obviously compelling and, and I'm, I'm glad you've taken the time to share it with us. I know the, you know, the other thing that, that I've seen, you know, on social media and I'm not, as people know me, I'm not a huge social media guy, but, but the social media I, I do peruse, you know, there's been this, you know, big push, I think from, from, from people against uh, the COVID vaccine saying, you know, it's not even data in humans, you know, there's no real world effectiveness data in children, you know, uh, with, with this bivalent booster. And, you know, I think it's important to keep in mind, you know, if, if you're confronted by by a parent who's like you know why would I give this just based on on you know uh, data looking at at immune response you know I think it's important to say this isn't the first vaccine where we've used that as a as a marker before we've had good you know real world effectiveness data um, you know many of the older vaccines that we've used for for a long long time you know had you know very little clinical trial data and if it was it's from decades ago you know and and you know it, it, you know it, there hasn't been a there hasn't been a big polio randomized control trial in the, in the last 50 years, you know, and yet we, we routinely give these vaccines to people. So I think, again, when you're confronted with somebody who's like, you know, there isn't even any real world debt on this. It's like, you know, you're right, there isn't. And it's going to be difficult to accumulate because, uh, again, with, with the, the change in, in how we, we check for COVID, I think that many people, and I, I'm probably as guilty of this as anyone else, I've had, you know, a cold in the last, you know, two or three months, 
And I was like, oh, I probably should check myself for COVID, but I didn't, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, if I get better, I guess I'll get better. And so I think the vigilance of people to just tech, check COVID even in the, in, in the household has really declined. And I think, you know, obviously, even when they, even when they do that, we don't have that information. So it's going to be very, very difficult to, to, to do some sort of control trial. Um, I'm looking at this. And of course, you know, given the numbers involved, it, it's going to be very, very hard to, to collect this data. But, you know, just because, because, you know, you don't have that does not necessarily mean it's not an effective. And it doesn't mean we don't have precedent for doing that because, you know, again, you know, that, that, that we've been doing that for a long, long time for a lot of other vaccines. So it's kind of, that's kind of uh, a good, good dimension. Um, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Penn and Teller fan, always have been. I've gotten to see them a few times in Vegas and, and they put on a great show and they, they uh, have a, have a show called, they used to have a show called BS. I can't give, say the actual name of it on, on, on the podcast, uh, but uh, it, it, it had, I mean, you can go on YouTube and find this, but it, it, they have a terrific vaccine segment where uh, they basically have little, uh, little figures of children and they have like hundred, hundred uh, figures of children, both, you know, uh, one behind pen and one behind teller. And they talk about how, you know, all, you know, many of the, the anti-vaccine uh, arguments are just you know ridiculous and you know they they talk about even if there were some issues with this and they look at the kind of the risk versus benefit by uh, bowling little tiny balls to knock over these these figures of children saying you know these are the patients who'd get you know measles these are the patients who get polio these are the patients and when it's all said and done you know Penn who's the the you know got his got immunization thing nobody one person's fallen whereas like over half of, of the of tellers is and and it's it's, it's a it's a very uh, very you know visceral and visual way to to assess you know you know the risk versus benefit of, of vaccines and I think that's something that that we can kind of do a little bit better so any wrap-up thoughts Jake I well my only wrap-up thought was was to try to create acronyms for BS like butter spread and, and work <laughs> that into the conversation but I'm not yeah. sure that that's uh, that might not be any better yeah it may not be any better either yeah. so yeah so so I mean bottom line is that is that you know I, I I agree that 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 we do need to do a better job of messaging and communicating and uh, with the COVID vaccine for children um, because I think it you know uh, you know when you have when you have health uh, literate people and savvy people who know how to navigate the healthcare system even they struggle to get it done that tells me that that it's it's going to be almost impossible for the, for the average parent to do that without some help and so i think i think pharmacists and providers can do a really really good job of that so anyway uh, jake thanks as always for joining us um uh, you know again your your work behind the scenes is is always very appreciated and especially when you get to come on on the podcast and 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 give your expertise it's always great so thanks for joining us thanks for having me jeff so that's it for this week. Uh, we will see you next week on Game Changers. Also, uh, the, the people at Game Changers are always nice to let me plug things. So uh, many of you know that I, I produce music under the name Prophet of Jupiter, and I do have my new EP coming out February 7th, uh, house music and new disco music, basically. And I'm on Spotify and on uh, SoundCloud and all the places you get your, your, your music. So come check me out on, on February 7th. We will see you next week. But until then, remember, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. We will see you next week. That's it for this week's episode of Game Changers. Don't forget to claim your CE for today's episode or get access to the CE by becoming a member at ceimpact.com. We'll talk to you next week on the Game Changers podcast.